Welcome to College Hoops Chat. I'm your host, Jim Maceno. This is your weekly college basketball radio show here on WVOX, 1460 AM in New Rochelle, New York. Thanks for tuning in. It's our final show of the season. It's the second year of our show. We're still growing. We're still getting more listeners. It's been a lot of fun. And tonight, the one person who who has uh, basically done this whole uh, show with me for two years, Kenny from Rye, his name is Ken Nixon, is in the studio. Hello, Kenny from Rye. James, how we doing? Now, Kenny from Rye, as we call him on the show, Kenny Nixon in real life, actually is my buddy forever. We met in third grade, we went to grammar school together, we went to high school together, then off in the college years, and I was in the military, so we didn't see each other, but then we hung around later in life, and uh, we're having more fun than ever doing the show together. Thank you for everything, Kenny from Ron. It's great to be here, James. It's a two-year anniversary, and congrats to you for putting this show on, and uh, it's success as well. Thanks. It's been a lot of fun. It's a labor of love. All right, folks, if you don't know, yesterday, May 1st, was the final day to declare that you want to be in the transfer portal. So nobody knew can now go into the transfer portal. Uh, if you're in the portal, teams can still try to get you. Uh, but as of now, the portal is set. Those are the guys. It's like 1,500 guys in the portal, enormous amount of players in the portal. So if you're in, you can get recruited by another team, but you can't get into it now. Uh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks with the transfer portal. Uh, again, this is our wrap-up show. Uh, listen, folks, from 8.30 to 9 o'clock tonight, we're going to have an open line show. So starting at 8.30, you can call us here at 914-636-0110. We have another caller scheduled at 8.15, one of our regulars, Patrick Madden. And then for the second half of the show, 914-636-0110. All right, first let me mention UNC had some action this week. Last week, we talked with an excellent guest about the North Carolina Tar Heels being done. Full roster. 13 scholarships, they can't even take somebody in off the transfer portal. Well, yesterday things got a little crazy because on the last day of the portal, May 1st, Kerwin Walton, a very good shooting guard, but didn't get a lot of playing time last year, uh, decided to jump into the portal. North Carolina now has an opening. And because they have one of the best teams in the nation coming back, as Ken said before the show, on paper they're one of the best teams in the country. Um, What's interesting is now that this spot is open, they're actually getting calls from players, big-time top players in the portal that want to come to North Carolina. It's kind of a different problem. Some schools are looking to get guys interested in their school. North Carolina, because they're one of the blue bloods of college basketball, and they have a great team coming back, is getting guys asking to come. A couple of guys that I heard uh, discussed, and then one guy, I want your opinion, Kenny from Ryan. First of all, six foot nine, Matthew Meyer, was one of the guys off the bench on the national championship Baylor team two years ago. One of the stars of Baylor this year jumped in the portal yesterday also. Matthew Mayer. Uh, apparently he's been in contact with UNC. Nice fit. Team player. Plays that Baylor team style of basketball. Could hit a three. Uh, he, he would be replacing Brady Maddock. That's a good fit if you think about it. Another guy, uh, interesting guy. You've seen him play. I, you, you're going to know more than I would. His name is Pete Nance from Northwestern. Ring a bell, mm-hmm. six foot ten guy, about shot forty, uh, shot fourteen. Well, I had fourteen point six points a game, six point five rebounds a game. What do you think of him? Yeah, I mean, there's another solid player. My my guess is here at the end, the end of the time frame from a standpoint. Let's just say the last few days, those uh, players that were on the fence 
with regards to getting into the transfer portal now probably have been contacted by a number of places. I, I don't think anybody who's got a solid resume in, in Division I college basketball is going to do a last-minute uh, dive into the portal. And, and they have a, pretty much, let's say, a few landing spots. And as you mentioned, uh, UNC is going to have their pick of the litter. So for the guys, quickly I'll do the names uh, that are being talked about for that final open spot on UNC Toriel's. K.J. Williams, the star of Murray State, who was awesome last year. Uh, 18 points a game, 8.4 rebounds a game. He's really good, 6 foot 10. Baylor Shireman, who your Friars had a, got to play and saw how good he was. South Dakota State, 6 foot 6. Get these stats, Ken. 16.2 points a game, 7.8 rebounds a game, 4.5 assists per game, and 47% three-point shooting. How about that stat line? Yeah, I mean, it, it, this is a perfect example where the transfer portal has some positive overtones from a standpoint of comes in, comes in where people come in and they develop and they develop into, you know, really good players with a, within a good program that's bringing them to the next level. Now, unfortunately for that, this case is that those teams a lot of times lose that player. In this case, that's the example. Right, Baylor Shireman is a perfect example. Yeah. A really star player. He's the guy that elevated South Dakota State to where they were a threat to win games in a tournament. And now he's going to go to a different team. Two other names quickly, uh, Jaden Delaire, Stanford, 10 points a game, four rebounds a game, pretty good three-point shooter, but a great defender. So he's, and can play, and can defend from the one to the four. So that's a good player. He's being looked at. And lastly, also jumped in yesterday, big name, Keon Brooks, star forward with Kentucky, jumped in the portal yesterday. 10 points a game, 4.4 rebounds, pretty good player, but a lousy three-point shooter, may not fit into the way uh, UB Brooks likes uh, to play his offense because he likes a big that can spread the offense out. That's why Brady Maddock was so perfect. So these other guys, other five, six guys can hit threes. That probably knocks out Keon Brooks, but he's really good. Anyway, that's issue number one. Number two, let's turn close to home Big East. Good job, St. John's. They got another really good transfer. He just finished his sophomore year at DePaul. David Jones, six foot six, didn't play much freshman year. They had a great sophomore year. 14.5 points a game. 7.4 rebounds a game, 2.4 assists point, uh, uh, per game, 1.7 steals per game. That's a nice line. Shot 30% from three. Uh, that's a good get for St. John's, right? Yeah, along with the other gentleman they had mentioned. Andre well, Carballo. Yeah, who has a solid stat sheet as well. The, the nice part about it is I, I think we'll, we'll find out is that uh, these players are coming from major programs in major divisions. So the, so the competition, exactly. the step up is not going to be shocking where they have to integrate themselves for a half a season into this. They they probably know half the people they're going to be playing against next year as well. So that I think that's a real positive for St. John's, unless you get the person that so excels in a lower, you know, a lower right. D1 division. That's a great point. And, and you're right. Andre Carballo, uh, more his freshman year, but his sophomore year, he was injured. But his freshman year, he's one of the star freshmen in the nation of Illinois. And David Jones, the opposite, was really good at sophomore year at DePaul. I remember seeing him play with the boys, a really good player, six foot six. Uh, uh, I was thinking at the end of the season, uh oh, St. John's has got some real problems that when they lost Wheeler and Champagny, but Carballo and David Jones steps in, helps them a lot. That, you know, they lost two good guys, but they got two good guys. So now you can think about St. John's as being a team that can win, you know, maybe get to the Final Four in the Big East, maybe get to the NCAA tournament. Those two, matter that much yeah and I, I don't think they're finished yet either i believe they have a few spots left so you know the portal is his his uh, a deep to say the least and so that i think they'll probably pick up another body or two and it's not always to say the stars it's about building cohesion with uh, people coming off the bench and participating through 
you know, what is a fairly long college basketball season. So we'll have to see what they do. But these two names are definitely positive for St. John's. All right, Ken. Now I'm going to talk about how my heart is broken. The St. Bonaventure Bonnies, I had so much fun rooting for them this year. They had a great season. They made it to the NIT semifinals. I went to the game. It was a great night. They had five seniors starting. And when the season ended, there was rumors that some of those guys might come back. And a matter of fact, they had been holding out all the way to the end of the portal time. Um, and there was, they got three really good transfers in. And then they figured they mix in with a few of the uh, seniors who are coming back for the fifth year. They'd all come together for another nice St. Bonnie's team. Well, that didn't work out because all five seniors now are in the transfer portal. The five guys have played all the time. St. Bonaventure doesn't use their bench money. Five seniors all are gone. They're all in the portal. Uh, I mean, I guess they could come back, but right now, I think they're thinking NIL. I think they're thinking, let me get exposure at a power conference team. So uh, St. Bonaventure, unless they can get some more recruits in to replace them right now, doesn't look like they're going to have a great season next year. And I think Bonnie's Nation is kind of bummed out what happened when a week ago we were thinking, oh, great, we got three great recruits and we got three of the seniors from Leisure coming back. That's a rotation of six. We're good again. Another threat to win the Atlantic 10. And they would have been. Uh, now... They've got the three recruits and nothing else, and they have seven open scholarships right now. Could you imagine that? Mm -hmm. they got a lot of work to do in the portal, St. Bonaventure Bonnies. Yeah, I mean, it's disappointing from a perspective of, but you can see the benefit here for the kids. Uh, the kids can, you know, the, the fact is that these kids are looking to step up, as you say, get themselves a name in that fifth year. And we've talked about it a few times. These teams that play a very, very short bench kind of do themselves a disservice a little bit from a perspective of the opportunity for people on the bench. They don't see it. Kids don't see long-term. They only see the next year. Okay, Kenny from Ryan. We have one of our other regular calls this season who we appreciate um, as, a, as a real friend to the show. Patrick Madden, hello. How are you? Hello, Jim. How's it going? How you doing? We got Kenny from Ryan in the studio today. A little different twist for you. Um, you got Providence Friars here and the uh, Seton Hall here also. So I got two big say uh, Big East uh, guys here. Uh, we've done this before. We did this in February, I believe. Okay, I didn't realize yeah, Kenny did. was in then. All yeah. right, so Patrick, how you feeling? College basketball's kind of over here. Are you going to sleep a little bit in May, like uh, John Rothstein says? Uh, I mean, baseball. I mean, the Mets are doing well. I mean, we can keep track of them between now and when basketball basketball starts. Uh, and we still have some cleanup to do at the portal. <clears throat> True. I agree. And, I'm a, I'm, and we're both Met fans, Kenny from Ryan and myself. So that's something uh, we can share. We'll have to uh, tweet about that or something, or text. Uh, let's get back to basketball. So, Patrick, did you see why I'm heartbroken about my Bonnies? We lost, like, our whole team. I'm no, a, I mean, I... Unbelievable. I, 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 said this to you on, I said this to you on Twitter when you made the comment about it, that you got to think about the fact that if it wasn't for the COVID year uh, that these that the five seniors are entitled to, they all would have graduated after this season. That's so, right. if two two years ago or two or three years from now, those those guys would all be gone from St. Bonaventure, and it's something that you know Mark Schmidt could have and should have been thinking about when he was getting ready for next year and the year after that. He's got something to build on because you know St. Bonaventure's is one of the premier programs in the Atlantic 10. So he could entice uh, some of those guys sitting in the transfer portal uh, to come to St. Bonaventure's, if only because, you know, that, that was a program that was in the top 25 
early in the 2021 season. So, you know, it, the coverage not going to be there for St. Bonaventure's, and Schmidt's a good coach. So I think they will figure it out. I mean, they may not get be ranked again, and they may struggle to finish in the top four of the Atlantic 10, but I, I don't think that Mark Schmidt's going to stay down for long. Very practical, smart answer. Very well done, Patrick. Well done. All right, now we're going to give you a chance to roar a little bit. Tell us about your Seton Hall Pirates. How's it going? Well, I mean, the, the good news or bad news is that a whole bunch of young talent, unfortunately, is sitting in the transfer portal right now. Uh, but there was a tweet, and I forgot the name of the, I forgot the, name of the account. Uh, it's a guy who's a Connecticut fan who broke down the number of minutes that got lost for people who went into the transfer portal. And even though Seton Hall lost five guys, they only averaged combined two and a half minutes a game. So, and they're, you know, they, and it's something where a lot of people are talking about is Shaheen Holloway looking to bring his own people in. Because these are all Kevin Willard recruits uh, that all went missing. Uh, and they're very active with some of the higher names in the transfer portal, as well as looking at a couple of the higher-ranked high school kids who have not committed yet. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see where Seton Hall goes in terms of filling the four or five scholarships they still have left to fill. Right. So they're just like kind of like you said with St. Bonaventure, Seton Hall has a lot of work to do, uh, but St. Bonaventure has more work to do. Now let's get a diff- let's get Kenny from Ryan this conversation. Patrick, you first. Um, are you impressed with those Providence Friars and their uh, recruiting from the portal so far? Well, I mean, you talked to Kenny about it last week, uh, and Kenny made I, I made the point to comment about what Kenny had said on last week's episode about the fact that these transfers that Ed Cooley is getting his hands on are people who Cooley recruited before they went to high school. Corey Floyd Jr. is a great example. Uh, and I believe the guy they got from Kentucky is another example of a guy who Cooley recruited heavily, impressed upon these kids, and when their situation sort of went sour at the other places like Connecticut and Kentucky, uh, you know, and they said, let's go transfer, you know, Ed Cooley was on the phone to them and said, hey, you liked us, why don't you, why don't you bring your talents to Providence? Uh, so it, it ends something which Kenny said a couple minutes ago. You're going to have to see how these guys... Uh, function in the Ed Cooley system. But the one thing we do know is that Cooley doesn't miss very often on these transfers. Uh, and he's got this mindset about an Ed Cooley player, someone who performs well enough at his first school and can just be plugged into a certain role when they get to play for the Friars. I agree. So before we get Kenny from Ryder to dive in for his Friars, let me just tell the audience. So this is the hole that Providence brought in. Devin Carter, who I know because my son is a Gamecock from South Carolina, an excellent uh, shooting guard. Can we even play the point a little? Six foot three, an excellent freshman guard, all SEC freshman. Uh, Corey Floyd, as Patrick just mentioned, went from Connecticut to Providence. Bryce Hopkins, Kentucky to Providence. Noah Locke, Louisville to Providence. And Clifton Moore, six foot ten, LaSalle to Providence. Those are five big time players. How are you feeling, Kenny from Rye? I feel great. I mean, from a perspective of, and, and you know, I think it's <clears throat> the point that Patrick made. I mean, the, out of the gate, when people put them put, put themselves in the portal, you're, I think your school or your team or your coaching staff has got to be ready to pounce on, on the people that they know from a perspective of that they've recruited in the past and that know your system. So you're not having to totally sell them from scratch. So that's the good part. Uh, the other part, which I, I'm, I'm 
most optimistic on is we think of transfers to some extent in the last few years as being kind of one and done, right? They've graduated. They have that extra year. That's not the case with, with many of the players now. Many of them are younger. So in the case of the five people, uh, five young men that Providence bringing in, three, one of them has four years, two of them have three years, and the other two are fifth years. So uh, I don't want to say they're freshmen, but Corey Floyd effectively is a freshman from UConn. He has four years. Hopkins has three uh, Carter has three, and then the other two have one. So he spread it out, and so that's not that stacked with five, you know, five or six, um, you know, I guess you'd say graduating seniors who have one year. So I'm very optimistic on that, and I think that's something that people are going to have to start to think about from a perspective of when you bring somebody in, you can't have everybody, you know, being a fifth year. They've got to have some sort of gradual rollout because they they've taken their one transfer. This is it. So you own them now. I mean, this is they're on your team. They've bought into your program. They're they're going to stay. I agree. All right, so Patrick. Season's over. You're reflecting back. What are things that uh, really thought you thought was exciting about this season? What are you going to remember for the 21-22 college basketball season? Well, I mean, we don't talk a lot about Villanova on this show, but you know, you think about Jay Wright's retirement, but then you think about the season beforehand. When I had thought about Villanova at the beginning of the season, I had mentioned when I did my preview of Villanova that it was sort of I, I used the phrase "the end of the beginning." or the beginning of the end. Uh, Gillespie was graduating. Jermaine Samuels was graduating. Uh, a couple of the other key players were uh, almost, you know, could have been on the verge of leaving Villanova. So, you know, you think that they, they were going to be in the process of a transition to begin with, and then Jay Wright retires, and now you're turning the program, all the, you're turning the program over to a new coach, Kyle Neptune. Good coach, knows the Villanova way, did a good job at Fordham, but he's got to prove himself. And he's got to see if he can keep Villanova at the top of the Big East. And that's going to be a tall hurdle to, 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 to get to. First of all, because programs like Creighton, Creighton's probably going to be in the top 10 next season. You know, Providence is bringing a whole bunch of new players back. Uh, Xavier could be pretty good next season. So, you know, is Villanova going to be the cream of the crop in the Big East next season? Or are, is, you know, or is programs like Creighton, Providence, Xavier, and a couple of the others potentially going to challenge them as the top, as the beast of the Big East, so to speak. That's a great point. So right at the time where it looked like with graduations and fifth-year guys moving on from Villanova, where Villanova could possibly fall back a little, you also they also lose their coach. So right when they lose a, kind of a, some of their talent, they also lost their coach. Um, and at the same time, you, like you said, you have your Creighton. You have your uh, province. I expect UConn's going to be pretty good at the end of the day, too. It's going to be a very hotly contested Big East next year, and I think it's fair to say maybe Villanova isn't the best team going in. It's going to be unknown who the best team is. Kenny? Yeah, I mean, I, as Patrick mentioned, I think Creighton was, was, the, was the best uh, from a perspective of coming into the next year. I mean, they seem to have the most talent, the best finish the year very, very well. I think what we learned very quickly is um, when teams switch their coach, uh, basically the team goes into the portal to protect themselves or the young men go into the portal to protect themselves and have to be re-recruited so that I I assume that uh, Holloway and uh, the the staff at Villanova are going to have to kind of re-recruit who they want to keep and then go out and get who they may want, who they believe fits better into their system. So it's it's, it's definitely a a difficult time. You know, it worked for UNC because their bench is so deep from four- and five-star players. Kentucky can do the same. Not every program can do that. And I think what we're going to see going forward is in teams that lose their coach outside of the UNC or Kentucky or Duke, um, there's going to be probably a little bit of a kind of a reset. It's incredible to be 
Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, and Kansas. When you look at their rosters, particularly Kentucky, Duke, and North Carolina, when if you go on 247, uh, which really does a great job of, of rating recruits, every kid of the 13 scholarships is a four or five star. I mean, we don't know about this kind of luxury in, mo you know, about 350 of the teams in America. There's incredible talent level at those three schools. I'll tell you another school that's mostly four and five star plays. It's Creighton. Creighton has a ton of talent. They really do. Patrick? Yeah, I mean, what uh, you look at Nemhart, you look at Count Brenner, uh, you look at uh, some of the other players that Creighton's got. I mean, that, that's first of all, it's a testament to how well Greg McDermott has done to build that program as one of the preeminent programs, not only in the Big East, but they're, they're, they've been a top-20 program the last three seasons. Uh, and then, you know, it, it's, they play in, in front of 18,000 people every night. Omaha has no pro teams. So the Creighton players are, you know, they're, they're treated even, even more so than the Providence players. The Creighton players might as well be sort of the professional players. They probably they talk a lot in their local newspaper about it. They get a lot of local media attention. So, so really, Creighton, I don't know if I would put them on a Gonzaga level, so to speak, uh, but in terms of how much exposure those kids get in that program, you go to Creighton and you are automatically, you know, a big, a big man in the city of Omaha and in that part of the world, as opposed to you go to, let's say, St. John's, where you're competing with the Knicks and you're competing with the Rangers and you're competing with the football teams. So you're not as, you don't get as much prominent attention when you go to St. John's and you go to Seton Hall as you do when you go to Creighton. Right. I just read an article quickly. Uh, why would Armando Baycott stay in North Carolina? Because North Carolina, Taurus, is the biggest sports program pro or college in the state. They're going to get big-time NIL deals because North Carolina is the big dog in that state. Right, Patrick? Oh, absolutely. The same thing goes with Duke. I mean, you, you treat those, those, those guys, you, we go back, you go back 30, 40 years, those guys are superstars, Christian Leitner, Michael Jordan, Sam Perkins. You could go through the list. Uh, and why, if you're not Amanda Baycott, do you not want to be put in the conversation with guys who are NBA All-Stars, guys who are NBA Hall of Famers? And that's something which, you know, those other programs you talk about just cannot, that, you know, you can't walk in the same footsteps as some of those Hall of Famers. Uh, that, that you put that you put up there. I agree. All right, Patrick, there's the music. Number one, Patrick, thank you. You've been a great help to the show all season, and I look forward to working with you again next year as well. Well, thank you very much, and uh, I can't wait to see Kenny Friars next season. And he wants to see your Pirates, so it's going to be exciting, Big East. <laughs> all right, folks, thank you, Patrick. We're going to our commercial break, folks. We'll be back for the second half of the show. Open line. Call us, 914-636-0110. We love that basketball. They're playing basketball. Okay, folks, we're back on College Hoops Chat for the second half of our show, and I'm told we have two callers. Let's go to the first caller. I believe it's Ethan. Uh, good evening, Ethan. Good evening. Hello, is, hello, Ethan, are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, is this Ethan Corbone? Yep. He's from Creating Madness Nation. Yes. We like your podcast. You do a great job. Thank you. You do too. Oh, thanks so much. So how you feeling? Season's over. We're kind of winding down. Transfer portal. What are your thoughts on college basketball right now? Well, we're heading into off season. We see, I don't know, what is it, 1,500 transfers? So we're still in the madness. 
it's just off season. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, right? Um, you know, it's uh, probably only a, a thousand of those kids will find homes, and about five hundred will end up in JUCO. That's what happened last year. Um, you know, it's kind of some. You know, sometimes we were talking about it on the show last week. Kind of a bummer. Some of these kids get bad advice. You know, they're a bench warmer on a team that's three hundred and fortieth in Ken Palm, and they think they're going to go to Portal, and miraculously everything's going to get better. But nobody really calls those kids who are bench warmer on the three hundred and fortieth team. On, on Ken Palm, and, um, so, you know, they, people tell them, oh, go jump in the portal. Then last year, I think the number was 450 players that went in the portal did not find a team, and that kind of makes you feel bad that they make a bad choice, but kind of that's the business that's been created around college basketball right now. 100%, and we're really seeing it now, and looking into this offseason, you, you add NIL to this, you're seeing all the big-name prospects want to get that top deal, Obviously, probably no one's going to touch Oscar Sheboy's $2 million, but you're seeing every single prospect want money. And I think as the season went on, that money number went lower and lower because, well, athletes realized, wait, only the top dogs are getting this. And then you reach portal season, you see these players announcing that with Nigel packing the 400 k with Miami, every player wants that type of deal if they contributed, whereas now it's looking like they want pay-for-play versus NIL. No, it's very, it is becoming pay-for-play, and, you know, they decided to roll this thing out without any barriers, without really any rules, and now we're seeing uh, pay-for-play happening. University of Miami is textbook. The craziest thing was, I guess you saw it, and Kenny saw it as well, Isaiah Wong going public saying, uh, I'm not staying if I don't get the same money as the guys that are coming in. Kind of an incredible public statement, right, Ethan? For sure. Uh, what do you think of that, Kenny, from Ryan? I mean, it goes back to what Saban said the other day. I know people criticize him because he makes so much money as a, as a, as a, as a coach. But the point of it was, is he said exactly that. We rushed into this. We, we opened it up, and now it's a free market, which he said it's actually even worse than the pro sports because the fact is that there is no control. He doesn't broker the deals. There's no salary cap. So it can get totally skewed. And in basketball, it's probably even more extreme because if you get one or two huge difference makers, even if it's just for one year, it's going to matter. It's going to matter dramatically. I mean, so from a standpoint of UNC situation with one, one spot left, that is, that's very, very important. That person's probably going to want to know what's in it for me. Hey, Ethan, let me let everybody know. So Ethan has Creating Madness Nation. Uh, it's a college basketball podcast with weekly uploads. They have good interviews. Uh, it's Ethan Corbone and John Crevelling. Um, you can find them on Twitter at at ATR Madness. Follow them and check out their podcast. They do some really good work. Ethan, is there a couple of schools you follow more than others? You're generally just covering all of college basketball. Obviously, me being an Illinois fan, we talk about Illinois a lot. John's a Texas fan. We talk about Texas a lot. But we try and cover the entire landscape. It's fun. When you look at it, mid-majors are on the rise, and now transfer portals knocking them down a peg, but we're still seeing a lot of players take a good look at them and these more experienced coaches that are staying at these programs. It's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, unfortunately, you're talking to a guy who's a St. Bonaventure uh, uh, alum, and it's awfully hard to uh, see what's happened there where 10 St. Bonaventure players, final four in the NIT, are now in the portal. That's tough. Exactly. And we're seeing Wright State had their two best players leave. Now you need that in entire program to build from the ground up again, which Scott Nagy shouldn't have a problem doing, but the Horizon League's a tough conference. 
It is. It is. It's really tough. All right, listen. Uh, we have we have one other caller, so we're going to go. But I want to thank you for calling, Ethan. Stay in touch with us, and let's work together next year in the new season. How about that? Of course. All right. See ya. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, keep up the good work. All right, folks. We have another caller. Let's go to the phone line for our second caller here. Uh, good evening. Good evening on Kyle Troops Chat. Hey, Jim. Can you hear me? Yes. How you doing, Jim? It's Tom. How are you? Hey, Tom. How you doing? Is Tom McAllister? Yes, yes, Oh, it is. Well, hey, what's up? I didn't realize you were calling. That's great. Thanks for calling in today. Yeah, I figure, you know, it's the last show. We, we got to go out with a bang, I guess. We do. Um, you called on the first show, I think, so you called the first and the last. You're a key yeah, player on the show now. Yeah, I'm, I'm the bookend. You're but, the bookend. Uh, I guess, too, you know, I, I noticed you mentioned a little bit about St. John's and the transfer portal. They got Corbello from Illinois, and they got Jones from DePaul. Um, the one question I would ask, though, because there were rumblings that uh, Mike Anderson, you know, there was some displeasure, I guess, from the fan base about Mike Anderson after this season because they underachieved. They couldn't even make it to the NIT. Um, how do you think these two transfers have impacted, uh, the transfers of Corbello and Jones have impacted Mike Anderson's job security? I certainly think it's helped him. Um, I think you certainly, look, it didn't look good at the end of the season. Everything you just said, right? They finished the season, uh-huh. they didn't even make the NIT. Uh, and then you lose Champagny and Wheeler. And Wheeler was a key player for them, particularly in January and February once he got more used to the team. Wheeler was really good. Losing both of those guys, it didn't look good for St. John's. But you got to have a little bit of excitement now if you're a St. John's fan, bringing in two, you know, as Kenny said, you know, power conference players that have played a lot of basketball that are going to step in uh, and be able to uh, join in with the Mike Anderson system. I, I mean, there's some promise there. I think. I think St. John's Nation's got to feel a little better. I, I think they do. And one of the things about both of the transfers, both with Carballo and Jones, is they got multiple years of eligibility left. Um, the expectation is that both uh, Carballo and Jones will be here for the 23 season and also the 24 season. Um, so this could be something that they haven't experienced in almost 25 years, and that's a string of NCAA tournament appearances, they haven't- so, which is something. Which they really haven't experienced since I think the Felipe Lopez years. They oh, haven't Felipe won. A, Lopez. Get this, Tom. They haven't mm-hmm. won an NCAA tournament game in 22 years. You want to know to put it in perspective? Was my high school team was going up to play in states the last time St. John's won an NCAA tournament game. That's how that's how I remember things. So it's it's been a while. Wow. it's been a while since that's happened. That is that that um, is a good point. You know. One other thing we should put out there, St. Bon- I'm sorry, St. John's has one more scholarship available. If they could pick yeah. up a third really good transfer, now we're starting to say, hey, St. John's looks good next year. I mean, like a team that's going to get in the tournament, I would say. Yeah, I, I think, too, it depends, too. I, I know that they reached out to a few freshmen. Um, I believe a Cardinal Hayes player who just picked up, uh, to, I think Tawabe is his last name, six foot eight forward. This was the Gatorade Player of the Year in New York State. Um, they, you know, so they could go transfer portal or they could go um, high school recruit. We'll see what happens. But it's almost depending on how you get the high, you know, depending on who you get in the in the uh, transfer portal, that impacts who you recruit out of high school. Because all of a sudden, if you get a Daniel Jones guy for two plus years, um, you might not need that three star um, recruit coming in. Uh, as a freshman in 2023. So that's something to look at, too. I think one, listen, if I was on the staff 
of St. John's with this last scholarship, I'd be looking for a big. I'd be looking for length. That team has uh, got a lot of guards. They've got a lot of guards. Okay. Look like they're going to play a lot. They need some more length for sure. I don't even think that's a question. I imagine that's what they're doing right now. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, Soriano, I think, did as expected. There wasn't a lot of expectations with him. He averaged about 8.8 rebounds a game, which I think the St. John's were happy about. But I think, uh, I want to say Nyway is going to be, you know, the six foot ten forward off the bench. He, he's, he could be the X factor, you know. And if he comes out and he develops, that, that I think he could fit Anderson's system perfectly. It's a big if, though. I agree. All right, Tom. So we just finished a, a fun, exciting college basketball season. Uh, in, in about five months, we'll be talking about the 2022-23 season. How are you feeling about the state of college basketball right now? What, what are you thinking about? It's, it's definitely going through a flux because they tried a lot of new things all at once with the NIL deals and the transfer portal thing. Um, and I think what happened was to a lot of state legislators already said you could pay the college athletes, so you're trying to make it fair across the board. Um, so I think some things need to be fine-tuned a little bit, um, but we'll see if that actually happens. There's going to be new leadership coming in, um, to say the least. But when it comes to college hoops, I'm ready to fill out my bracket right now. I'm ready to say the North Carolina Tar Heels are going to be the 2023 national champions. Tar Heels! Tar Heels! I love it, Tom! I love the Tar Heels. And they look, and they, I don't know if you heard earlier in the show, but they've got an open scholarship now, and they got players calling them seeing if they can fill the 13th scholarship spot uh, with the Tar Heels. Things look pretty good for UB Davis. I, I think it absolutely does. And you've you got to respect what the North Carolina players are doing was they got so close to a national championship, but they're still coming back. They're still, you know what, let's finish this job. you got to respect those players. you got to respect Hubert Davis. Uh, I think, uh, who was it? They lost, was it Keeler, who left to go to Auburn? Um, and Walter Kessler. 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 That's it. And it's like, you know what? Let's go. Let's finish the job. You got a lot of respect for him. I think those North Carolina players, they, they took out Coach Gay, both at Cameron and also in the Final Four. So you, you got to think those guys, they're all going to get a statue next to Michael Jordan somewhere on the campus. Um, but I just think North Carolina is, is going to be scary. And I, can anyone even compete with them in the ACC next year? Well, Duke has like four or five stars. I mean, they're like uh, the old Kentucky teams, all the five stars. So Duke, you know, I, I think about, the interesting thing about Duke is most of the starting five left. They didn't have anybody yep. come back to kind of lead these young kids. That could be a problem. As we've seen with Kentucky, you can't just roll out four or five stars. Uh, it'll catch up with you, particularly in a tournament when you're playing older guys. All right, Tom, thank yeah. you for the call. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you again next season. How about that? All right, take care, Jim. Have a great offseason. Thanks so much, Tom. All right, commercial break, folks. We're coming back for the final segment of the season. You can call us, 914-636-0110. We love that basketball. Hello, everybody. We are back on College Hoops Chat. I'm Jim Massano. We have Kenny from Rye in the studio, and we have a caller. So let's jump right to the phone line. Good evening. Hello. Hey, Jim. Hey, Jim, can you hear me? Yeah, this is John, I believe, right? Y yes, it is. Hi. Yes, it is. Hi, John. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. Love your show. Thank you so much. So nice of you to call. Well, how'd, how'd you find out about our show? Um, I, I know Kenny from Rye and this, this other kid, Jimmy, from Iona Prep. Oh, it is John Regan. <laughs> this is John Regan. I didn't realize. 
Oh, that's so funny. John Regan, that really cool guy we knew at Iona Prep who was on the swim team with us. Is that guy? <laughs> that's the guy. That's the guy. <laughs> Are you here to crow about your fabulous program, the Providence Friars? How about that? <laughs> uh, it was quite a year. It was a fun year for the for the Friars. But no, I uh listening to what you guys were talking about tonight, I had I had kind of two two uh questions that I want to get your your thoughts on. You know, you talk about the uh the NILs and the and and the portal and one of your I guess it was Pat earlier was talking about Creighton and how how their uh their players given that in Omaha they're effectively the 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 team, right? The pro team. And it's not dissimilar not too dissimilar to what happens in Providence where you know, it's the biggest, uh, the biggest show in a, in a smaller town. Do you think that that gives those, you know, what previously would have been smaller market or mid-market teams, despite playing in the Big East, um, somewhat of an advantage from a recruiting, especially through portal people because, uh, or portal players, because they can um, get to a town like Providence or, or Omaha and, and maybe, you know, get some attraction and get some deals? You know, I did think that, until about a week ago, I, I actually real I believed it actually firmly that uh, if you come from a, a city like L.A. or New York that has all these pro sports teams, it might be harder to do the NIL deals and everybody's focusing on the pros. Uh, I did think that, and I think it's true to a large degree. But look what happened this past week in Miami. Miami got a bunch of, uh, you know, there's another big economic marketplace. They got a bunch of big business guys down in Miami to put together some major NIL deals to attract two of the top transfers in the nation that are now going to Miami Hurricanes. So there's a big market that did the NIL. So I guess it's kind of a crapshoot, John Regan. I, you know, here's a big market that does it. The small markets are doing. I think you kind of have to commit yourself to it. I think these every program in America is going to have to com, kind of commit itself to figure out how to do NIL where they're based. And I guess, you know, a, a place like um, where, you know, Creighton, and a place like Providence, they, they're the big dogs in their area, but it's going to work in Miami. So I'll give you an example to kind of wrap up the point. And I'll let Kenny from Rye jump in. But uh, St. John's, here they are in New York City. I've I got to believe there's money to be had for NIDLs in New York City for St. John's. I have to believe that. I don't think they've done it really to a large degree yet, but they're going to have to if they want to compete in the Big East. Kenny? Yeah, I mean, what's happened here, and our friend there, James uh, Mitchell, the college football lunatic, uh, after seeing him last week, told me that Texas A&M has now what they refer, refer to as a collective. It's a thirty; They have a $35 million pool for the football team on a collective, they call it, which is basically alumni getting together in either, either local or through donations themselves. There's some sort of legalistic way of setting up a, a separate corp on it, and Miami's done that. Actually, Miami was the first one to do it last year when they established it for their football program through some guy who did it through a gym. So uh, I, I think your point is valid, though, Riggs, with regards to the, the smaller cities are going to help. Uh, so, you know, we can use Providence as an example. There's probably a, a handful of alumni out there that own car dealerships or large construction companies, whatever they want, and they can get them to do ads or they can get them to do promos. So because there, there has to be a real job, quote unquote, attached to it, whether that's just wearing a shirt or you know doing a promo. So we definitely have an advantage there from that perspective, being the only game in town. It, it's even more so, though, in, uh, in in Nebraska, where I think I was telling Jimmy before, the Nebraska football team last year, they were the first one out of the gates and the most successful at getting 
a number of their players, nil deals, well, not the biggest, but more spread out. And so obviously other teams have gotten wind of this and gotten smart. And we saw this last year with Miami setting up that separate corp, and now Texas A&M has done the same. So uh, unfortunately, it may only get worse before it gets better. What do you think, John Regan? Well, well, let me well, let me let me take the other side. Let me take the other part of the, the the question was, you know, Villanova. I think I think was amongst the the most successful with, under under Jay Wright in in developing and creating a culture that wasn't based on transfers, wasn't based on the exclusive five star resort resorts or one and dones. Um, and, you know, when I hear you guys talk about how the legislature, you know, how quickly this thing ramped up, you know, is there going to be a place for schools that are kind of selling the more traditional path of, look, you're going to come here, you're going to be part of our program for several years, not one and done. And is that a way, you know, that, that, that schools can separate themselves if they can't really compete on the NIL process? I don't think so. You know, I kind of feel like that day has passed. I mean, you know, look, look what just happened at St. Bonaventure. Ten players in the last few weeks jumped into the portal. You know, they had a great team. The entire 13-person roster, all the scholarship players could come back next year. They made the semifinals in NIT. But I think some of the best players, the starters on St. Bonaventure... Saw these guys at my like going to Miami making four hundred thousand dollars, or the North Carolina guys making three hundred thousand dollars at NIL, and I kind of think they said to themselves, "I love it here. It's been a great ride, but I got to go see how much money I can make." With that kind of motivation out there, John Regan, I don't know how we're going to have the old traditional basketball programs anymore. Well, the que- I guess the question is, in, you have to see how it pans out, right? Right. Because if the first year is four hundred thousand dollars and the next year is four thousand dollars, or that the, the they don't materialize the 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 you know they don't have no staying power, then you know that whole process you know could collapse and it could just be a couple teams at the top, you know the biggest highest spenders, and then you're really going to have a whole bifurcation within within the sport. I agree. The NCAA's. Well, that's what I'm reading about, John uh, and Kenny. I'm reading now that are we inevitably heading to where there's going to be the power conferences are going to be on their own and the mid-majors will be on their own because of NIL. I mean, it's certainly possible. I think I can see that happen. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the funny thing about it is with regards to, unfortunately here, the rich get, the rich get richer uh, from a perspective of the most passionate football fans are now you know, seeing the greatest advantage of nil from a perspective of they saw what Miami did last year and they're taking advantage of that. So Texas A&M being one. So if Texas A&M is doing it this year, Texas will do it next year. If Texas does it next year, then uh, Alabama will do it the year after that, or Clemson will do it this year as well. So uh, unfortunately, those passionate fans or alumni that are part of large organizations will do it for football, and that will carry over to basketball um, right or wrong, and so you'll just have a continuation, and that begins the process of the of those kind of those type of schools stepping away from the NCA and kind of creating their own division. What do you think, John? Uh, that's my that's my concern. That's the uh, you know that's where it looks like we're headed, but uh, certainly I think that will take a lot out of the spirit that has made uh, college sports um, in general and and college basketball. Um, you know, the March Madness tournament, I think the the greatest sporting event there is. I agree. Um, I'm nervous about the future of college basketball. Here I am with this show, and it's fun, and 
It's been a labor of love, uh, but I'm worried about the future of college basketball right now. I, I don't really know how mid-majors in rural parts of America can continue to compete in this day and age of transfer portal and NIL deals because every star player on every mid-major is always going to leave now to see if they can make money. That's their whole cold hard reality. Yeah, yeah. I, th- yeah I think the other thing is is we, we have a situation with regards to uh, and you, you mentioned the economics. Is it four hundred thousand this year, and then it's four thousand next year? So I, I think to some extent they're hoping that it kind of works itself out. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I think it's unfortunately going to be the rich get richer, as I mentioned, and that will leave leave less for the mid major type of uh, type of basketball programs that have had success, like St. Bonnie's. I, I don't know what their deal situation is up there. I don't. Either. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I guess one other thought though is that you know, as we've seen, there's plenty of. Um, there are plenty of politicians and plenty of people that will step in and say, you know, are students getting abused? Are student athletes getting abused? What are the graduation rates? Um, and so, you know, we've seen a pendulum swing one way and, and you know, perhaps that, the, you know, that oversight comes in and says, look, if you're not graduating kids, this is really, uh, you know, we're going to highlight that as part of this whole process as well. So maybe maybe there's a little bit of uh, sunshine that can be uh, you know shown on 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 graduation rates and that and that may separate some schools too. But I think I'm being uh, more hopeful than realistic. I agree. Well, listen, this is a fundamental day of change in college basketball with NIL and portal all happening at the same time. I don't know where this is going. I'm watching it closely. We'll talk about it on the show next year, John. We're about a minute to go on the show. I want to a thank you for calling into the show, and thank you for uh, being part of it. Uh, Kenny, say goodbye to John Regan. I'll talk to you later, Regs. Take care. Bye, John Take Regan. Care. Thank you. All right, folks, that's the end of Season 2 of College Hoop Check. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being part of the show. Thank you, Kenny, from Ride. It's been a great Season 2. We'll be back in October for Season 3 on College Hoops Check here at WVOX. Bye-bye, everybody. See you next season.